Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. We're halfway through the final week of the Premier League season as all eyes turn to Sunday and the final fixtures of the campaign. For some, their fates are still yet to be settled. For others, they already have their eyes on the summer. But what will the summer look like for Tottenham Hotspur? Well, getting a manager in would be a good start and reports yesterday suggest that another Dutchman is keen on following Eric Ten Hag in swapping the Eredivisie for England. There's also murmurs at Molyneux of some managerial malaise. Julien Lopetegui's future as Wolves boss is allegedly in doubt after what's believed to be broken promises over the club's summer spending power. More on that shortly. And of course, as the summer window does prepare to open up, Saka, Madison and Wilfred Zaha are all on the back pages. Some are staying, some are going and some just aren't quite sure yet. One thing we are sure of though is that this is an award-winning Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily. Every weekday we get stuck into the top flight's biggest talking points and we even catch up with some former pros along the way. Hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode. If this is your first show, where have you been all season? My name's Niall and with me today, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. How are you doing boys? Good morning, yeah, not, uh, not too bad. Still reveling in the Champions League qualification. There it is. You know what, this time I can listen to it a little bit more easier than uh, the last time we were here. Well, you requested to be played in to the Champions League music, Marley, so here you go. This is your moment. Is this like the nine-hour version or something? It's the full version, yeah. Is it? Complete with the the string section at the start. Have you ever heard that one where it's um, like a crap flute version? (laughs) No. That's what I was expecting to hear this this season, but uh, yeah. I'll take the full one. Yeah, I won't play it for too long, though, because we'll probably get in trouble with copyright or something like that don't want to be yeah. paying royalties to UEFA for playing the Champions <laughs> League music do you want to know a fact about the Champions League anthem go on it's sung in three different languages the three official languages of UEFA is it English French and German yeah 
It was also played at the uh, the King's Coronation a couple of weeks ago. That's where it originally comes yeah. from. Just, yeah, it's just uh, saw Charles handles. with his hand on his chest giving a wink to the camera as yeah. the camera scrolled by. <laughs> yeah, like, do, Ronald, doing the Ronaldo's yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, that'll do for now. Newcastle are in the Champions League. Marley supports Newcastle United. He's even repping his Newcastle shirt today. I have. Joel, meanwhile, is a Manchester United fan. And his side still have that final hurdle to overcome tomorrow night against Chelsea. I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, later on this week. But for today, we're going to focus on Tottenham Hotspur first up. As reports surfaced yesterday that the Feyenoord manager, Arna Slot, is one of the contenders to take over the vacant post left by Antonio Conte at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Basically, Spurs took a gamble, didn't they, Joel, when they sacked Conte? They left Stellini in post, who was pretty much Conte's right-hand man. He got sacked after they got destroyed by Newcastle 6-1. And then Ryan Mason's come in and he's not exactly done a great job either. Sort of faltering really in replacing Antonio Conte. They've really eroded their chances of even playing Europa League this season. It might well be the Europa Conference or no European football at all if things do go badly on Sunday. But Arna Slot, the Feyenoord manager, has said he is interested in taking on the job. He's just guided the Rotterdam club to the title in the Netherlands It all sounds pretty good because allegedly he plays this Johan Cruyff-style total football and has been likened to Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Tottenham just as a whole, it's been a bit of a three-year circus, hasn't it? Going from Mourinho to Conte and then to... um, Esperito Santo. Esperito, yeah, I forgot about him in the middle and then going through Ryan Mason and then Stellini. It's just they they don't know who they are. I've said it so many times. They're in a bit... They're trying to find their identity. And I think with this kind of appointment, it's a little bit closer to the Pochettino um, hiring where it's a young manager who has got a lot of pedigree. I mean, for Feyenoord to win the Dutch league and take over the Ajax dominance that Eric Ten Hag created is pretty massive considering the difference in finances and just how long it's been since Feyenoord have actually won a title there. Um, I saw an actually quite remarkable stat, which is quite poetic, which is that no team has committed more errors leading to a goal in Europe's top five leagues than Tottenham this season. And Feyenoord have not committed an error leading to a goal this season so it's almost like <laughs> something's got to give <laughs> something else well something's got to give one way or the other the two very extremes in the table uh, and I think Daniel Levy's probably just had enough of seeing so many stupid errors on the pitch uh, leading to goals but again it's I th- I just think this kind of coach is just so well fit for Tottenham I, I also thought the likes of Graham Potter's well fit for Tottenham because they've tried and tested these proven managers like Conte and Mourinho and every single time it's just ended in tears it doesn't fit with the way in which Daniel Levy wants to work I don't know if it's a case of just too big of an ego or the fact that they're only there for a three-year period and see it as a project rather than building a club similar to the way in which Manchester United have now gone for Eric Ten Hag who's a guy who feels like He'll be there for a long time to try and build a club rather than, you know, take some titles for his CV or some credit credentials for his CV. And, you know, if anyone's ever watched Feyenoord this season, they've been really, really impressive in terms of the way they play. They're very quick and attacking. And like I say, they don't really give many errors in terms of their game, which is a stark contrast to, to Spurs. So if they can get him, and I mean, the likes of the names that they've been linked with, Ruben Amarin's another one who they've been linked with, the sporting manager. These are the types of names that I think suit them really, really well. But whether that's enough to convince, for example, Harry Kane to stay, um, is another story to be honest but they can't keep a decision in mind based on him because Tottenham's going to be outlasting Harry Kane so 
I think for for Tottenham, I think it would be a really progressive move forward. Yeah, we'll come on to the Harry Kane part of this debate in a second. But we spoke about Antonio Conte losing each strand of his hair transplant week by week as the games went on. We won't have that problem with Arna Slot, who is already bald, so there's no problem there. Following in the footsteps of Eric Ten Hag, maybe, as you say, the Manchester United manager. Do you think Arna Slot might look at what Eric Ten Hag's been able to do and the impact he's been able to have transitioning from Dutch football to English football in his first season at Old Trafford, Marley, and maybe take a bit of inspiration that he could do something similar with Spurs? Yeah, well, he's, he's probably went... You know that that bold Dutch manager who won the Eredivisie has done done quite well. I'm bold, I'm Dutch, and I've won the Eredivisie, so <laughs> you know I've, I'll I'll have a go at that as well. Um, it depends on his character, I suppose, because I think he's got to be. I think that there's similar problems uh, if Slot goes into Spurs at, compared to Ten Hag going into Man United. Like there was problems to sort out. The the playing squad was needs dead wood shifting and needs a, a proper sort of disciplinarian to set down the rules and say right no more messing about we're gonna we're gonna do this 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 and you've seen that at Man United this season there's been loads of uh, improvement on what it was last year there's been players shipped out and and uh, you know cleared from from the wage bill and thing uh, and things like that and that's kind of what Slot's got to do because if he does come into Spurs, he's got to, number one, sort out Harry Kane's situation. Um, number two, probably instantly decide what formation he's going to play. You know, he's a 4-3-3 type of uh, typical Dutch manager who plays with the three up front. Um, Spurs have spent the last two years playing with wing-backs, so you've got to get them to transition. You've got to find out whether the, the wing-backs can defend well enough to be a part of a back four. Um, and and sort of go from there really, but the the similarities between the jobs are, are are there to be seen really. But I don't really know too much about him. But everybody leaves the Eredivisie to to test themselves, and that curiosity of what if always gets the better of people, and they always come to the prem. And whether they they sink or swim is another thing. But everyone will find out because the money and the opportunity is just too much to to turn down. There's this cliche about Dutch football as well that they're all technically excellent coaches and they like to play, you know, in the Johan Cruyff mould. We know Pep Guardiola has already said that he takes inspiration from Johan Cruyff. We know that Eric Ten Hag does as well. So there's something maybe there that you could draw comparisons with. But from a Tottenham perspective, when it comes to the business side of it, Daniel Levy has come in for a lot of stick, Joel, over the last couple of years because Tottenham do have this unbelievable new football ground. Tottenham, with that stadium, need to be in the Champions League. They're not. That is going to be an issue financially, probably for sponsors as well, the fact that they're not in the Champions League this season or next season. So how important is it that Daniel Levy gets this decision right? Because you've already touched upon the appointment of Nuno Espirito Santo was a mistake. Mourinho got sacked didn't work with Antonio Conte. The last three stabs he's had at picking a manager have completely fallen flat. They have to get this right, the Tottenham ownership, because the fans, if they haven't already, turned on the board. Yeah, and I think it's probably a long time coming, to be honest, because Daniel Levy, because he's been there for so long, it's almost as if he doesn't have to take any accountability because he's almost like the figurehead of Spurs. Whereas if you keep getting these appointments wrong and you keep wasting so much of the club's resources on sacking and hiring and buying the players that these managers want for ridiculous amounts of money then a new manager comes in and has to clear them out and you know make the squad his own 
at some point, some accountability needs to be given to Daniel Levy. I think it's, it's pretty Well, he logical. just releases a statement every season, yeah. every summer, every May. He releases a statement saying, you know, it's not gone the way we wanted. We're really sorry. We're striving to improve in the future. I mean, it's the same thing. Spurs have had this copied and pasted as supporters for the last four or five years. Exactly that. And I think he's now going back to what he knows best, the same tact uh, in which what happened when they got Pochettino, which is getting someone who's young, exciting, upcoming, and they can start to build a club again. Because like I've said, Spurs have never, ever been the club to go and buy, uh, to go and hire the biggest pedigree of manager. And then they take them to the next level because with all due respect to Spurs, they're just not that, they're not that club. They, they need a person who's young, going to galvanize the squad and you know is a very good interpersonal person because when you've I've seen quotes of people who've described Slot as someone who is very good with people, um, someone who the players really like. I mean, could you really say that for people like Mourinho and Conte in the last five years? I mean, you could probably count on one hand the amount of players in each squad that have really liked them because they're very polarizing figures, aren't they? I think for Spurs, they need a guy who who's actually going to rub that off on the fans as well because even the fans were not buying into Conte or Mourinho, and that's a problem. Because you need them on side first and foremost. And I think that's what they need. Because Pochettino, I mean, even though he's going to Chelsea, Spurs fans still hold him hold him in such high regard. Because the man, the person who he is, is someone who actually gave this kind of love affair at Spurs. And I think they need that kind of person again. And also, it'll be probably less expensive mistake should he not fit well which is probably one of the main reasons why they're probably going through and going back to the Eric Ten Hag thing the reason the Manchester United fans have been endeared to Eric Ten Hag since he's come in is because of the discipline that he's thrown down to that group of players he makes the big decisions he got rid of Cristiano Ronaldo benched Marcus Rashford when he was late for training despite the fact he was the top scorer so there are things that Eric Ten Hag has done which has enabled the Manchester United fans to get on board and visualise the process that he's trying to work through at Old Trafford maybe Tottenham fans will see something similar if Arna Slot is the right man we're not sure that it will be him it's not guaranteed it's just a report at the moment Luis Enrique is another name who's also been linked to the former Barcelona manager but how much of this managerial appointment whether it's slot, whether it's someone else, depends on whether Harry Kane is still at the club next season. Do you think assurances over his future at Tottenham might determine which managers are willing to take on the job and which might say, no thanks? Well, that's the that's the key thing, I suppose. Um, with It's the first question any manager is going to ask when you're interviewing him. He's going to say, what, what are we doing with Harry Kane? What's he feeling? Um, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Because I think he's got a year left on his contract, has he? So, you know, now is the time you, you leave, um, basically. So that's the first thing they're going to ask. Um, and I, I almost feel like they should make that decision and and communicate it before they get a new manager um, or at least communicate it to the guy um, because you've got to make a decision either way. If he stays, great. Uh, if he goes, the manager has to know that and he has to know what kind of wage... Bill, he's he's got to to spend. You know, he can you go and spend Kane's wages and transfer fee, um, or is it being used in other parts of the club? As long as you're clear, just make a decision, and 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 then stick to it and say this is the lay of the land. This is what we're doing. Uh, Kane's leaving. You've got this much to spend on a new striker. We're happy to back you in the transfer market with whoever you want. But I feel like Spurs don't do things like that. I don't. I don't feel like Levy's the type of guy to to do that I feel like he's, he's one of them where 
he might say one thing and then when it comes down to the brass tacks of it he, he doesn't doesn't back it up with with what a manager would want and you've seen over the last couple of years Conte and Mourinho wanting certain things and being big personalities and not getting it and then just saying right stuff it I'll I'll leave um you can't have that again because you're just going around in circles with with Levy and with Spurs now so they've got to get something right and I think just make the decision um and get on with it, whatever, whichever way it is. Okay, well, Arna Slot reported to be one of the contenders for the vacant Tottenham Hotspur job. Who will be in the dugout at Spurs at the start of next season? We don't know. And strangely, we also don't know who might be in the dugout at Molyneux at the start of next season. You'd have put your money on it being Julen Lopetegui, but... After reports over the last 24 hours, no one's too sure that will be the case either. We'll talk about it after this here on Football Social Daily. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. This is FSD, an award-winning Premier League podcast from the Sport Social team. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the show again. We always speak to former Premier League players on the show, as well as tackling all the top talking points in Premier League football right throughout the course of the season. And we are nearly at the end of the campaign. And if you zoom back to Christmas, many Wolves fans would have thought by this stage of the season, they could well have been relegated back to the Championship. But with games to go, Julen Lopetegui, after coming in in November, has managed to keep them in the Premier League. He's done a great job, I think it's fair to say. However, he might not have a future at Wolverhampton Wanderers at all. Suggestions of broken promises when it comes to the summer transfer strategy and budgets, he says that he's only just learned about some of the financial fair play constraints at Wolves, which means they're more likely to sell players than buy them in the summer transfer window. Well, I'm sure when they first interviewed him for the job, he didn't see it as just a six-month job. He wanted to build on what he's going to do and what he has done, which is keep them in the Premier League because when he first came in, they looked absolutely depleted. And now, you know, they're mid-table. They look pretty strong. Obviously, they're going to have a few outgoings. And to only be told that you may have to sell more before you actually buy. I mean, it's empty promises, isn't it? They've basically lied to him or they've covered up the full story of what's going on at the club. And when you're a manager like, like Lopetegui, who, you know, has been at big clubs before and also with the Spanish national, national team and uh, with Sevilla, to then go to a club and expect to want to progress on the progression that he's already made, it's just deception. And I think he's well within his rights to have concerns about that because he's going to be thinking, well, what do you want me to do next season? Because 
if I've got ambitions of X and you've got only the capacity to go for Y, then we're not right for each other. It's almost like going in a relationship and someone lying to you about them having a wife that lives somewhere else. I mean, you're going to... Well, he turned down the club in the past. Lopetegui turned down the club in the past, but at this stage, when they approached him back in November, Wolves were firmly in the relegation zone. They were bottom at Christmas and they were desperate. They were desperate. They needed someone... They picked Lopetegui. And do you think maybe in that desperation or that desire to get themselves a manager who they knew could get them out of trouble, do you think that maybe some things weren't discussed that should have been discussed at that point? Yeah, because if you th- if you think about it, at the time, they're, like you say, desperate. They just want someone in who's going to assure their Premier League status, keep them in the Premier League for next season. And they probably would have said, well, you know, if you keep us in the Premier League, we can then discuss what goes on next season but for now just keep us in the Premier League and those kind of things can be talked about which on Lopetegui's side I'm surprised that he would have agreed to something like that because he will have the confidence that he can keep them in the league so now that this has come around and they're actually well he's looking to progress on this season I think it's almost like Wolves have shot themselves in the foot a little bit because they maybe didn't have, didn't expect this scenario or they weren't planning ahead for this scenario. But again, it's like they're, they're being held back by their own situation. And for Lopetegui, I mean, he's such a high, highly thought of manager and a high reputation manager that I would not be surprised if a few other Premier League clubs start hovering around him because he showed his pedigree already by keeping a Wolves side in who do need still a lot to do in their in their squad. But yeah, for, it's, it's a tricky situation and I, I, I think he will end up staying on, but they're going to have to fa- find a way around these financial situations because he's going to want to progress. He's not a manager who's just happy to try and keep the squad in the Premier League every single season. He wants to, you know, do the likes of what Aston Villa are doing at the moment and like Brighton doing, not, you know, hovering around 17th 18th it's just not the manager that he is let me just read to you a synopsis of the ffp rules in the premier league clubs are only permitted to accumulate losses of 105 million pounds over a three-year period in their last set of books wolves recorded a 46.1 million pound loss they also signed 10 senior players this season and another couple on loan which you'd think would mean that they'd post more losses in their next set of accounts. So that being said, it looks like Wolves aren't going to be able to sign the sorts of players that maybe Hulen Lopetegui was hoping they could Mali in the summer. And that's where this umbrage has come from. Yeah, they've they've done the done the maths and, and gone, right, well we've lost. They're probably sitting at, you know, let's say hundred and twenty million and they can only lose hundred and five. That means Ruben Neves has to be sold. And that means players have to be moved on, and you know the the big sort of earners and the big names have to have to leave. I think Adama's leaving on on a free. I think his contract's up at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, it's it's it feels it feels like something that just wasn't talked about in enough depth at the time. It, like you said before, it feels like oh we'll we'll talk about it in the summer. Let's get to the summer and then we'll talk about it. And then here we are, near nearly there. And Lopetegui sat down and said, right, okay, what are we doing in the summer? And they've gone, oh, bad news. We've spent a lot of money. We brought in uh, Cunha in the in the January transfer window. We bought in Lamina. We bought in um, a couple of others as well. And, you know, we're going to have to go backwards before we go forwards. And that's, that's, 
something which Lopetegui's not going to want. He's going to he's going to look at what Emery's doing at Aston Villa and saying, "Well, we can we can do something similar to that, um, but not without money, not without uh, a clear plan and and things. You can't really afford to go backwards when you've been fighting relegation till Christmas." He's he's going to look at that and think, "I'm just going to have to do this again next season, and maybe win ten games and, and maybe scrape 45, 48 points or something like that." And it's not. It's not enough to stimulate a, a coach that's done what Lopetegui's done. He's managed Spain. He's managed Real Madrid. He's probably still got eyes on getting back to a, a top top level job. Um, you know, he's been at Real Madrid. Maybe he'd go to, you know, someone like a, a Sevilla or an Atletico Madrid or, or someone like that um, in in the world game. You know, competing in European football and things like that. But he's not going to get that at Wolves if he's not got money. Um, and I feel like it's just maybe ran its course a little bit. Um, but Lopetegui to Spurs sounds interesting because they've got more money, they've got more ambition and a plan and maybe European football. I, I just wonder whether they might be looking at him and and uh, assessing everything before they make a move, well, a final move for, for final manager. Well, it's interesting you say that, Marley, because do you think some clubs might look at Lopetegui and his history as a manager. Joel touched upon it a second ago. Of course, the Real Madrid job, the Spain job, both of those ended poorly from his perspective. Do you think that will be in the thinking of some clubs when they read this news? Maybe they'll think this guy is a problem, even though it might just be circumstance and unfortunate from his perspective. Do you think that they'll see the way things have unfolded at Real Madrid? the Spain national team, and now this issue with Wolves, they'll think, oh, I don't want to go near that guy. Maybe he's too much of a problem. Maybe, but I'd, I don't... I think that's a, it's probably a bit harsh. I mean, I, I don't know his, his backstory inside out, but from the um, <clears throat> the way he left Spain in the... Was it the World Cup or the Euros? I think it was the Euros. Um, mm. You know, he, he said he was going to Real Madrid. It sort of got leaked that he was going to Real Madrid after the, the major tournament. And the way things are in Spain, you know, there's, you well, know. Yeah, you only need to see what's happened this week with Vinicius Junior to see how things are done. Yeah, and it's it's just one of them where they've gone, well, that, that can't happen. You can't go to Real Madrid, you know, because all the Barcelona players in the Spain squad are not going to play for you. And, and they, ended, they ended up sacking him and um, and going into the, the tournament without a, without a proper manager, which is, you know, Spain, you know, self-destructing as they as they have been prone to in in, re, in previous years you know then he then he leaves Real Madrid because probably because of how it started it is Real Madrid spell was it was doomed yeah, wasn't it, was it doomed really? to fail before it even begun because of how he left left Spain his, his reputation was probably unfairly shattered um and then you know where do you go after Real Madrid you, you sit around for a bit and then eventually Wolves came in I think he turned it down at first because his, his his father was unwell uh, I think his his dad passed away uh, a little bit as he was talking to Wolves. So he probably wasn't in the right mindset. So as long as you sit down with him and get an explain, you know why didn't this work? Why didn't that work? As long as you know the story, you can be then happy with with the um, with what comes out of that conversation, and then you can make a a proper judgment on whether he's been harshly treated or or got a reputation that he doesn't quite deserve. But in in terms of what he's done on the on the field at Wolves, he's He's done really well. Um, he, he has this the sort of um, reputation in the game to have a crack a little bit higher up the Premier League. 
Well, Lopetegui has had a meeting with Jeff Shee, who's the chairman of Wolverhampton Wanderers, and he claims that he was made aware of things that he wasn't previously aware of during that meeting. And they are set to have more meetings, the club's board and Lopetegui and his staff this week. So we should have a a clearer indication of what the future might be in terms of the managerial situation at Molyneux by the end of next week. That is it for this part of Football Social Daily. But next up on the show, we're going to be talking about some of the latest transfer gossip. Some players have signed new contracts, some players are out of contract and other players aren't too sure where they're heading at all. We'll talk about it after this. This is Football Social Daily. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. And as we speed towards the summer, the transfer window will soon be upon us. Lots of clubs looking to strengthen and lots of clubs looking to shift on some players as well. We'll talk about a few of the big stories now. The first of which comes at Arsenal, where Bukayo Saka has signed a new deal at the Emirates Stadium. He's been crucial to their success in inverted commas this season obviously they haven't won anything but finishing second in the Premier League to Manchester City an excellent achievement from what their predictions were and expectations were at the start of the season the right decision surely Joel to tie Bukayo Saka a young promising talent who's really matured in the last 18 months to a new deal yeah it's vital I think Arsenal have started to pump out these contracts now especially with Ramsdale just recently signing one I think they're trying to get Saliba down on a long-term one because he's his is um running down in the next one or two years, I believe. But in terms of Saka, I mean, when you just look back to 2021, when he missed that penalty in the Euros, I feel like that was probably a massive turning point for him and for Rashford, to be fair. When you see what they've gone on to do in terms of their game and how much they've improved since then, it's pretty admirable, I would say, because that was a very, very low point in terms of their career and the aftermath of it and how it probably affected them. Uh, But Saka this season, I mean, I think it was pretty unprecedented just how good he's actually gone this year in terms of just the overall improvement in his game compared to last year when you look at his numbers for example you know double figures in assists and goals in the Premier League which is unbelievable return for a guy who's 21 as well Um, he's also signed until 2027 which I know it's not alarming but I I still feel like it's not long enough Um, because it's only what four years until 2027 I still think that they could have 
brought him on a bit of a longer one just in case. Seems like 2027 is like this golden year that Arteta's got because they gave Ramsdale the 2027 one. But I don't know if they gave Gabriel Martinelli a similar one as well, just not long ago. Um, I mean, because that gives Bukayo Saka a bit of long-term security. He knows that by 26, he should be an England regular. But if he's playing well and Arsenal aren't challenging, that gives him the option to leave the club. But similarly, if Mikel Arteta sees a drop-off in form, with Bukayo Saka and decides now's the time to move you on. I mean, a good example would be someone like Raheem Sterling, an international player, a young player, and someone who, when he got to his late 20s, mid to late 20s, Pep Guardiola went, it's time for you to move on. Yeah, yeah, of course it is, um, especially when you see in recent years just how many players have been poached from Arsenal and then have gone on to do better things because I think if this contract situation would have ran on a little longer, uh, I think Pep Guardiola would have been absolutely straight in for him. Um, he pretty much suits his side to an absolute T, I would say. Uh, but again, Saka, you know, is a, a homegrown Arsenal boy. He's not going to leave there or want to leave there. And the way in which their trajectory is going at the moment, he'd be stupid to leave. But again, like you say, four years is enough time to see where the project is going to go, if it's going the way he wants to. And if potentially, you know, in three years, Arteta ends up dwindling down and things change, you don't know what's going to happen. But I think for Arsenal... Um, and the project that they're creating is just the cherry on the cake, isn't it? They do need a bit of longevity. And when you compare it to recent years of really bad transfer windows and the squad constantly changing, it, it seems now that they've got a really strong core of young players that have tied down to uh, long-term contracts. So it benefits them for the future, for sure. And I think like what Marley said a couple of days ago on Football Social Daily, Bakayo Saka has kind of learned from his mistakes and by that what I mean is the missed penalty in the Euros in the final against Italy for England a couple of years ago now and he's really improved his game since then he stepped up learned from failure and uh, he's performed so well this season so well deserving of a new contract Bakaya Saka puts pen to paper on a new deal at Arsenal they'll be in the Champions League and so too for the first time in 20 years will be Newcastle United but who are they going to add to their squad in the summer to help bridge the gap and the change of schedule? Well, everyone. Declan Rice, actually, if you listen to what Chris said on yesterday's edition of Football Social Daily. Targets are supposedly being drawn up this week at St. James's Park after Eddie Howe is reportedly going to have more to spend on summer transfers, around 100 million quid, if you believe the newspapers. However, concerns do remain over the Newcastle United wage structure. Let's hear from Chris, actually, from Gallagher Shots, who featured on yesterday's episode of Football Social Daily. Here's his take on how the summer might pan out for Newcastle. We need not necessarily a bigger squad, but certain tweaks. You don't want to ruin the chemistry that the lads have at this moment in time too much. You don't want to bring this big marquee. Yeah. Are side you worried in. about that? Whoever yeah. comes in in the summer, that that might be disruptive massively. And I think it's not because of personality, because I would trust Eddie Howe to bring the right character into that dressing room because he's done it every single time since he's arrived. It's more the wage setup which worries me because you know how easy it can unrest players. You can bring a. a a more key signing, and I'll say that that's on what 150, 200 grand a week. And the rest of the lads that have been there for the last couple of seasons and got Newcastle to the position where they are now will be thinking, I want a bit of that as well. So it can cause a bit of unrest, but I would hope that Eddie wouldn't let it happen. The thoughts there of Chris from the Gallagher Shots podcast. Just scroll back in the timeline to yesterday's show where you can hear his reaction to Newcastle's qualification to the Champions League and the job that Eddie Howe has done. He says that Eddie Howe understands the fan base, but he'll need to understand the type of player and character that he'll need to bring into Newcastle 
in the summer. He's never managed in the Champions League. I'm sure he's watched plenty of Champions League and he knows the type of player he'll want to bring into the squad. As you heard there from Chris, his concern is if you bring in these big name signings on big wages, does that disrupt the really nice balance that Newcastle United have had this season that's enabled them to finish in the top four? Do you share those concerns? Uh, I understand them um, because... You know, people saying, "Oh, you know, you've you've got all this money to spend," as as they have done for the the last two transfer windows, and we haven't sort of gone for a huge marquee name on two hundred and some grand a week. You know, Isak, Botman, um, Bruno Gamares, Trippier. You know, they've they're not insane earners. It's not like we've signed Neymar and he's on four times what what anyone else is. So. I mean, the clear comparison will be Man City and Newcastle United when you talk about the two types of ownership and how Manchester City started off. They tried that. They signed Robinho. They signed Carlos Tevez. And they figured out pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be sustainable for them. So they ended up signing Aguero and David Silva. And Vincent Company was already there. But you, you get my gist. These are the sorts of players that Manchester City brought in yeah. and enabled them to achieve sustained success. So no doubt Newcastle's ownership would have looked at that and thought... That's the approach we need to take. Yeah, and if you look at, um, at how that's... If you look back and say, you know, uh, Man City got David Silva from Valencia, who you could probably draw a lot of similarities to Newcastle going to Leon and getting Bruno Gomares because it's like he's on the verge of... He's at a, he's a good European club, but not, not a top one. So he's not he's not a top earner. He wasn't a household name. He was a, a, a player with loads of talent and loads of potential. Um, and you've gone and you, you've gone and got him from a club that needs to sell, and Valencia always needed to sell. Leon will always sell. Um, similar with Botman at Lille, you know, you go to the French league and they will sell you their best players because the money is too much to to turn down. Newcastle must have so many scouts in that French league. Honestly, it feels like every player you've signed in the last. 15 years yeah. like 50% of them have been from the French League yeah we've got sleeper scouts after uh, <laughs> uh, Kabai and Sam Maximan and, Kabai yeah, yeah, yeah the lot of all them. these uh, all these players yeah but um, yeah I I don't I don't have um, any doubts in my mind that they'll do they'll do this right they've not made a mistake yet um, there'll be mistakes along the way but they're not going to be 85 90 million pound 250 grand a week mistakes because the number one guy in there that would say no no to that type of sign it would be Eddie Howe he he's very loyal to to what he can um to what he he knows what'll work basically he's took a bit of a chance on Anthony Gordon that's about as big a chance I think we'll take um I can see a lot of signings coming in of the ilk of of Bruno and Botman, you know, players that need to take that step up rather than going and shopping at the top table for, you know, like Neymar's out of out of favour at PSG or, you know, somebody's not needed at Real Madrid. I don't think we'll be doing that. I think we'll be going to those sort of smaller European clubs, uh, like smaller elite ones type of thing, like Leon, like. Like Valencia were back then when when David Silva, um, and um, who else came from Valencia? David Villa as well. Um, you know, back in the day they were sort of almost there, but not there. That's what Newcastle will will do. I think we won't be going and signing Declan Rice for hundred and twenty million. Uh, we won't be signing 
crazy players and playing FIFA in real life because we've got a strategy, we've got FFP to think about. It's not a problem yet, but it could be if you if you make stupid mistakes. Um, and we we've got yeah. we've got that. Well, 100 million is the number that's being touted, so it'll either get you one world class player or three or four possibly good players in the modern market. How much did Bruno Guimaraes cost? It's 40 million, yeah. Okay, so there you go, two and a half Bruno Guimaraes, and you add that sort of quality to your squad, and you've got a really good chance of yeah of repeating what you've done this season. One of the names who's also been linked to Newcastle United, Joel, is Leicester City's James Madison. Leicester don't know whether they'll be in the Premier League or not next season. That all depends on next Sunday's game against West Ham, whether they win against West Ham and Everton drop points. That will determine whether they stay up or they're in the Championship. Either way, it looks likely that Madison is not going to be at King Power Stadium next season. He's going to move on. It's almost certain of uh, that that's going to happen. Will it be Newcastle United, though? Because Arsenal are also interested, according to reports, and Manchester United have been linked as well. Effectively, if you're James Madison, you've got the freedom of choice. So who are you going to pick? If you're James Madison, where would you go? Oh, definitely not Newcastle, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... It's like Marley's been saying, I think the key for Newcastle is to get some really good quality depth because the drop-off from their first 11 to the bench is pretty alarming, I would say. And if when you go to the Champions League and that happens where you've got a game on Sunday and then you've got a Champions League game on Wednesday, you're going to be found out pretty quickly against the top European sides. And I think that someone like James... Well, basically, if you look at the top 20 most expensive signings, about 80% of them, maybe even 90% of them have not even worked. When you go every single one, the only ones that have ever worked are the ones that have been signed as genuinely world-class players, the likes of Mbappe, Ronaldo, uh, I mean, you even try and think Gareth Bale, and then that's where it stops. Every other one has not worked. And the reason is, is because the monetary value does never ever match the actual value because it's always inflated unless you sign Mbappe and Ronaldo who were already producing incredible numbers. So for Newcastle, they need to stick to what they've been doing really well, which is be smart in recruitment, signing players who haven't got massive egos that are going to disrupt the squad. Because can you imagine if, let's say, I know it wouldn't happen, but let's say Newcastle tried to get Neymar because they probably have the capability to do it in terms of finances. It would disrupt the squad. It would disrupt the squad completely. You were getting wanting to go to Brazil in March, and you know wanting to go for his sister's birthday. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and as you say that, you know this is what I mean. These guys disrupt incredible talents. Absolutely unbelievable. One of the best players I've ever seen. But these are not the types of players that Newcastle need to get. And like you've mentioned now. Uh, when Manchester City first got taken over, there was always these big newspaper spreads of Frank Ribery for 70 million, Robin for 55 million. Like, who are they going to get? You can't do well, it Kevin that Kevin De Bruyne way. for 50 million was considered a waste of money, according to some pundits, and look what he's delivered. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of is almost similar to like Marley said about uh, Guimaraes, you know, a guy who not many teams wanted to take a punt on. And that's where City changed, where, for example, David Silva, Yaya Torre, Everyone in Europe knew these guys were class, by the way. It's not like they were unknown gems. They were unbelievable for their clubs. Uh, yet City were the only ones who wanted to take a punt on them. And that's the way Newcastle need to continue going, which is that there are some top quality players in Europe, but not everyone is willing to pay a little bit extra to get them. And I think if they can just, for example, get James Madison for 40, 50 million, that's the type of quality and depth 
that you need for a Champions League squad because you need more output. You can't keep relying on your forwards to play every single game because they will drop off at some point. But if you are Madison, what's your choice? Because you've got three Champions League clubs. We don't know if Manchester United have qualified yet, but we presume that they will. Three Champions League clubs chasing you. I mean, reports suggest that he is a Manchester United fan, but Arsenal have been one of the best teams in the league this season. Newcastle have got this unbelievable group of players and an atmosphere and a feel-good factor around the club that hasn't been there in 15, 20 years. So if you're James Madison, you're thinking about playing in the Champions League and you're thinking about playing for England in the Euros next summer. So who do you pick? That That's my question because he will have multiple offers. I'm certain of that because he's been Leicester's most productive player in a season in which they have not been good this season. I think he's got 19 goal involvements in... 29 games so he's done really well for them this season as he's he's been their key player he's their main man really so he's going to have offers and it's going to be up to him to choose where he wants to go well if you look at how Southgate has been operating he does operate on a strictly top four established teams and when I say established I mean the big teams the ones who have you know the Arsenal Manchester United Chelsea and now obviously Manchester City uh, but now that Newcastle are in the equation I don't ha- I don't know how much that changes and for Madison honestly I think now that it, it, let's say he went to Manchester United or Arsenal or Newcastle I think they're all great choices because they're all teams that are slowly going somewhere and he's going to get game time in all of them but I just think in terms of proper game time I think Newcastle probably would be the best choice to be honest because Arsenal and Manchester United have pretty established uh, starting 11s which are going to be really difficult to break into and he's going to probably have a little less amount of minutes whereas at Newcastle I think he could probably forge himself into that to- into that starting 11 pretty quickly You don't think James Madison's good enough to get in the Arsenal or Manchester United starting 11s? Who, who'd you take him out for? Well he can play he can play as a 10 or he can play as an advanced midfield player in a midfield three, a bit like what Newcastle play with a 4-3-3. He could play in one of those positions. Potentially, but again, I just I feel as though with Newcastle, he could cement himself in quicker. I mean, if at Manchester United, it'll be between him and Bruno, which I don't think there's much competition in terms of the output that they both give. Uh, and at Arsenal, I mean, you've got Martin Odegaard in his place and it's difficult to displace him. But again, he provides great depth and great competition for all the clubs and all the players. So like you say, he has his pick pick of the bunch. So I told you, that's 19. That's 10 goals, 9 assists for James Madison in the Premier League this season for a side that are really struggling. Bruno Fernandes has 6 goals and 8 assists. Don't give me that, Niall. Come on, just look at the last three seasons. The writing's on the wall. I'm with you. That's not slander on Bruno Fernandes at all. I'm just saying that... I don't think it's disrespectful to James Madison, but I do think people sometimes, because they see him at Leicester, who are in the relegation zone, they don't think he's good enough to come into a side as a starter. I don't think that's a fair assessment. He's good enough, but it's it's different translating those assists and goals to a top top I'm sure I'm convinced you know I'm I'm sure but I mean to that to that level playing for Leicester and getting those is different to doing that at Manchester United with a massive amount of pressure teams dropping off trying to unlock games it's going to be difficult way more difficult but like 100% I'm on board with the fact that if he goes to any one of those clubs he'll provide a massive amount of value but I just think for Newcastle I think I think he provides them more, to be honest. All right. Well, James Madison, as I said, pretty much has the freedom of choice. Take your pick, Madders, in the summer as to where you want to go. Unfortunately for Leicester, it looks likely that they are going to lose him, regardless of whether they stay up or not. Final one we're going to discuss today is about someone who's out of contract and doesn't know whether he's going to stay or he's going to leave Crystal Palace. No doubt Palace will offer Wilfred Zaha a new contract. He is... 
Probably Crystal Palace's greatest ever player. A mural has in, uh, been unveiled on the side of a house in South London this week of Wilfred Zaha. What do you think about Zaha's future? We've discussed this on the podcast many a time, Marley. Of the three or four years we've been doing this show, I'm sure every summer we've had this discussion. Zaha, what's going on? Is he staying at Selhurst Park or is he leaving? This time he hasn't handed in a transfer request, but his contract is up. He's 30. He is an icon in South London. Has his time to move on been and gone? Do you think he'd be better off staying at Crystal Palace? What do you reckon? Uh, I've, I've seen this one before, haven't we? He he sort of is open to a move and then nothing really concrete comes of it and he ends up staying. Um, he's 30 now. He's much less of an attractive proposition because he hasn't got that long left at the top level, you would think. Um, I know Crystal Palace fans treat him like a god, but at the end of the day, I, I don't see what he can what he can do now with his, with his career like if if he stays at palace he's never going to win anything you know they've not won anything in the history never ever won a won a trophy um i don't know i, I feel like he's if he wants trophies he, he has to leave but i think i think he's got to take that plunge and, and and be a free agent for a bit and see what happens maybe try a different league I can't. No one's going to pay money for him. Um, I think he made a mistake the last time he signed a new contract um, because I think he signed it just to get uh, Palace some money, so someone would have to come in and buy him. But that was a, it. Looked like a mistake at the time because who's going to come in and pay for Wilfred Zaha? I don't think anybody is. Um, I feel like everyone above Palace has probably said, "You now you're all right. We'll we'll go for someone else." He's Time's probably gone to be a squad player at a top club. I think he was linked with Spurs for a while. They they turned around and went for Richarlison recently, so he's he's never getting in there. He's tried Man United. Arsenal have got plenty. You know, they, they went for Trossard as backup. He's probably a better player. Um I just feel like he's mismanaged his career big time and I know Palace fans are probably hate that and be like, Oh well, you know, we love him, that's fine, you love him. You you've you love him for as long as you like, but He's not made as, as much of his career as he could have. I think he's he's made mistakes pretty much every time he's had a decision to make about his future. Whether that's going to Man United too early, that's fair. That's almost that's understandable because he was always going to take that chance as a young player. But then to come back to Palace, okay. But don't don't get stuck there. Don't don't let don't let the the ship sail without you. And I think he's done that two or three times, to be honest. I'm convinced that Palace are going to offer him slide him a new contract. Of course they will. But that kind of gives him the option to wait for an opportunity somewhere else if other clubs do come in. And I guess that's it. It's the waiting game now. It's as soon as that summer window opens. What's his agent going to ring him and say? Is he going to say, we've got this club interested, we've got this club interested? Because that Palace contract will always be there. So he's got an option, I guess. Yeah, they'll they'll always they'll always be there. And Palace, Palace haven't got the type of character to walk away and say, right, sign that or, or you're not coming back. Because they, they will roll over for him. They will come back. He's a legend at the club and, and fair enough. Like He's done so much for that club all, over time. But... I also think if you take the emotion out of it, you know, you look at you look at Zaha, there's there's been talks about him getting paid or getting offered two hundred grand a week. And I don't understand what the point is. 
of paying him 200 grand a week because I don't understand. You're not going to win. You're not going to win anything with, with paying him 200 grand a week. You're not going to go and win the FA Cup or qualify for Europe because the team isn't good enough. So are you not better cutting the, cutting your losses and spending that wage budget on three new players where, you know, you can get three new players on 70 grand a week each for that, you know what I mean? So yeah. Well, that's that's how much extra Palace are willing to pay him. I think the reports are that he's on £130,000 a week right now. What, what are you getting for that, though? What are you getting for 130 grand a week? 10 goals a season? It's decent. But you're still finishing thirteenth, and but they're willing to offer him two hundred, as you say, which would be the highest contract in the history of the club. I I don't get Crystal Palace's strategy when it comes to Zaha, to be honest. But you you do what you want, lads. You're not winning anything anytime sooner. You're not you're not better to make a make a bit of a a gamble. But every time they gamble, they they themselves and panic and go back. No, they gambled on De Boer. They went back to Allardyce. They gambled on Vieira. It wasn't going that badly. Little wobble, oh, it's like a turtle going inside its shell when it gets, you know, attacked by a predator. Oh, oh, Christ, we'll go back and we'll go back into, we'll get Roy Hodgson. And then all of a sudden you've got a 76-year-old manager and a 30-year-old winger on 200 grand a week. And that's what your club's, you know, gambling on. I know they've got Gehi and Elise and Eze who are doing well. But can you not build around them and build it out a bit rather than keep going back to the well? I'm saying, yeah, hey, Wilf, is another 70 grand. It makes me wonder whether that was the plan under Patrick Vieira. Like, it must have been a knee-jerk reaction now looking at, at it. But that first game they had under Roy Hodgson when he came back, where they won in the last minute at Selhurst Park against Leicester, that kind of changed the narrative. And they've been comfortably safe ever since then, really. That kind of set the ball rolling. And there's another question. I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the course of the summer. Is Roy Hodgson staying? Is that it for him now? Is this his kind of final game in professional football as a manager on Sunday? We'll talk about it, I'm sure, on Football Social Daily. We will be, of course, keeping you up to date right throughout the course of the summer. But we only have a couple of podcasts left of this Premier League season because on Sunday it is the final fixture of the campaign. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. That is it from us today. Thank you to Marley and to Joel. We'll catch you next time. See you then. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.